0: Yeah. Um, and so that's why i'm running in a municipal election as opposed to a federal <laughs> election um yeah. because those like these are issues that i personally care about and i know where i can stand in the solution um for issues within the city um so i think yeah there's definitely a part of teaching yourself um what like what your role is and how you can impact it as a stakeholder but also a leader um and i think what's interesting about municipal politics is that Almost 80% of the time you will be involved in the issues that you are solving, right? So if it's Mm -hmm. public transit, I take the public transit. And so you have that lived experience. If it's housing, I'm concerned about being able to afford a house. And so you have that lived experience.
1: Welcome back to Beyond Culture, where the podcast that attempts to bridge the gap between culture and politics. I'm your host, Ivan. In today's episode, we have a conversation with 19-year-old Scarborough Asian Court Candidate, Renee Jackdale. As the constituents of Ward 22 head to the polls on January 15th, Renee is currently running to become the youngest city councillor in Toronto history. On top of that, she's also studying urban planning and human geography at the University of Toronto. In this episode, Renee takes us through her journey from being a regular student worried about classes, to becoming a political candidate running her own campaign. We discuss the engagement of youth in the political arena, the variety of reasons why many don't get involved, and the solutions to that. Furthermore, Renee talks to us about the impact COVID-19 has had on her and the way she views the systematic structures that surround us, her motivations for running, and how she has been able to deal with all the sudden attention and criticism she has faced. Finally. We discuss her platform, the Scarborough Asian Court community, and the devastating COVID-19 outbreak that has ravaged the Tender Care Living Center. This and much more on Beyond Culture. Take a listen. Welcome back to Beyond Culture. I am your host, Ivan. Abel is currently not here. I got my special guest in the building, Renee Jagdeo. Thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: No problem. I was looking at your like schedule, at least the publicly available schedule. I saw that you have a town hall on Wednesday and I'm just like, bro, this is really like she must be really busy with these online events since we're in a pandemic and now and you can't go yeah. outside. Like, has you has it been like a lot of these Zoom meetings and et cetera for you?
0: Yeah, so I mean today I've got three other events happening after this. Jeez. Um and last week it was also really full of Zoom events. I think what's nice is that I'm able to cram in a lot more than I think any typical candidate would be able to because, you know, there isn't like the factor of travel. Um, but at the same time, I do notice like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be doing like six Zoom events <laughs> in one yeah. day. Um, yeah. But it's fun. It's, it's, it's cool because you get to meet people at least somewhat personably as opposed to just email. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's been, it's been enjoyable. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Cause I was looking, I'm like, oh, cause we would be, we we're, uh, maybe going to do this on Wednesday. And I remember last night I was, I saw, I'm like, town hall on Wednesday at six. I'm like, my, it's going to do this. And then the town hall, like <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Nah, yeah. That's crazy. But, uh, mm-hmm. so we're about like, it's about a week and some days out. I think January 15th is election day. How do you personally feel? Like any anxiousness? Like how do you, how do you feel?
0: I mean, of course, there's anxiousness. It's like there's a potential for my life to completely change in just a couple of days. Um, But it's also just excitement. You know, Um, again, like this this year has started off very differently than um, I would say any other year in my life has um, given the pandemic. But it is something to look forward to, um, not only just in the process of the campaign, but also the potential for January 15th to bring something new. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, anxiousness, excitement. and hopefulness I guess
1: Mm -hmm. because what's interesting is that like regardless whether you win or lose there is still like you there's so much energy and effort put into the campaign with Mm -hmm. everybody that's involved your family your friends and your campaign staff and it's like there has to also be a certain level of you know what I'm happy to finally get to the finish line Right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's for sure. Like I, I do have school starting back on the 11th. Um, so there is some type of normalcy coming back into mm-hmm. my life um, outside of the campaign. Um, but you're right. Yeah, I'm excited for the things that will occur after regardless of the outcome. Um, like, for example, I do want to have a lot more or not have a lot more but to start um some new initiatives of my own um and with the people that have been working with me on the campaign um with Mm. regards to youth outreach whether that is specifically for university um school interests um but also with in like, in regards to the election and campaigns and such, just because I've had a lot of people reach out to me wondering, like, you know, how do I do this? Like, this is cool. Mm. Um, I would like to explore this, like, in a couple years, if they're in high school, for example. Um, And I, it's hard to give them a solid answer, because, you know, it's a not just me, I have an incredible team. Um, But B, it's also always changing. And I, I can't just give one answer. So I'm hoping to be able to host a couple of events where I get to just chat with people and, them a little bit of insight into how it operated and how um, myself as well as a lot of other young people helped to make this happen Um, Mm -hmm. because another cool thing is that my team is almost exclusively all people my age um, Mm -hmm. which probably contrasts to a lot of other people's typical campaigns Um, and that's been really fun because you know it's all just insight from young people um, and it's cool to see what we can come up with so yeah i'm hoping to keep doing that after this Mm -hmm. election
1: and even going, going into youth outreach, like, let's get into this topic because it seems, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems to me as if the only time we see age as a negative thing in politics is when we talk about young people. But when it's like the older politicians, this 60, 70, nothing against old people. I'm just saying like 60, 70, you're getting up there in age and they don't really reflect the the, like, the people that they serve like we don't really talk about age, but when it comes to young people, whether it's like, uh, no, we cannot lower the voting age for these guys or this (laughs) and that, or this guy's too young, unexperienced, or this girl's too young, unexperienced. Like, why is it, why is it like that?
0: You know, I I honestly can't give you an answer because I'm obviously sitting in a position where I believe like, yeah, I should be able to vote. Yeah. I should Mm -hmm. be able to run for office. Um, And so should my peers. And I've never thought differently about it. I think, when people are discussing this issue of age and lack of experience or unintelligence and such like that, um, it's because they are picking on specific, say, people that they have in their life or other narratives that they've experienced, but that doesn't necessarily mm. speak for the entire population, right? Like, there are people who are adults and in older years that are arguably incompetent as well, you know? Um, yeah. So it, <laughs> it's, also, it's, it's been very interesting trying to push back on that um, simply because, you know, I am coming from a position where I don't believe Um, that my age is something that limits me from doing anything and neither should it be something that my peers believe. Um, And especially, I guess, when it comes to politics, a lot of the feedback that I've been getting is like, oh, you don't have experience, like you don't, you haven't, say, run a household, you don't have a mm-hmm. family, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. Um, which is true. But at the same time, there's a whole league of us, an entire generation, who will likely never have families, who will likely yeah. never own a house because of the condition of our society. And so you can't necessarily always be representing people that live a lifestyle that is simply unattainable for someone like myself, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a future and there is a current reality where people don't have those expectations and that's not a criteria of someone that you would want to represent you. Um, So I think there kind of is just a need for um, a check in terms of what the reality of society is, but also a shift into understanding that, yeah, that is also a lifestyle that needs to be respected and represented um so if not me i hope that other people are able to advocate mm. for that
1: yeah because that's interesting because there's like a it's like double-sided one in one breath they talk about okay well these guys are too young and etc and then they they go like well young people aren't getting involved all they do is like TikTok and whatnot so what <laughs> is, so what is it so we're like stuck in the middle
0: Yeah, there's, there's simply no way to win. You know, like I I was part of a virtual event with a bunch of other candidates um, earlier in December. And there was a lot of discussion about like, how do we get youth more involved in politics? Like, they don't care. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, I would like (laughs) to suggest that perhaps a few of us care. Um, Mm -hmm. But also, what better way to get them involved than to um, respect the fact that some of them are involved um, mm-hmm. because there there is just a, a, a high level of um, almost uh, discouragement in youth being involved in politics. Yeah. Clearly, I, I have received a lot of pushback and if it weren't for, you know, like my own will, but also the support of the people around me pushing me, like this is something that I couldn't feasibly understand to be a reality for me, right? Like there there were a lot of barriers for me to even get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of other people that I, I was able to do it, right? So not every young person is fortunate enough to have say the education, the life experience and the support to feel um, confident in moving forward in something like this. And it definitely doesn't help to have, you know, strangers not believe in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if there is a way to win. Um, but I think what could help and what I hope to be contributing to is that, um, you know, it always works when you see people like you, right? Um, mm-hmm. and so I hope people can be able to see, hey, like there's a 19 year old girl and she is involved in politics. Like I can do yeah. that too. It doesn't seem too out of the ordinary. Um, so yeah, I think once it becomes normalized, perhaps there is a way, um, for people to understand that. Yeah. You- they're not as distracted as we believe
1: yeah because i even with this with the with starting this podcast my, my co-host abel and i like our one of our biggest goals with this podcast is bridging the gap between culture and politics because we noticed that us as youth like we know like about a lot of culture and everything but once it mm-hmm. comes to politics it's like there's kind of a divide there it seems like to us it's either it's untenable it's too complicated doesn't make sense or we and we also don't understand how much politics actually impacts our daily lives so even going forward with you like do you find like you you kind of also like you you kind of also have to educate we, we have to educate ourselves on how politics affects us as well
0: yeah for sure I mean so personally I'm not as um interested in how like federal politics affects me right because Mm -hmm. those are they're just so incredibly vetted there's an insane amount of bureaucracy that i know that my will and like my tweets for example will not necessarily (laughs) impact it in the way that I can impact, say, the city. Um, yeah. And so that's why I'm running in a municipal election as opposed to a federal <laughs> election. Um, yeah. Because those, like, these are issues that I personally care about, and I know where I can stand in the solution um, for issues within the city. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely a part of teaching yourself um, what, like, what your role is and how you can impact it as a stakeholder, but also a leader. Um, and I think what's interesting about municipal politics is that almost 80% of the time, you will be involved in the issues that you are solving, right? So if it's Mm -hmm. public transit, I take the public transit. And so you have that lived experience. If it's housing, I'm concerned about being able to afford a house. And so you have that lived experience. Um, It's obviously different when it comes to federal politics, because sometimes you're dipping your toe in an issue that you have never visited heard about or have any type of connection to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it is one of the things that I think is important in politics is that it's things that you care about. um, And oftentimes the things that you care about are part of your culture, right? So when you talk about like Toronto culture, that obviously has to do with like the connection of different neighborhoods, the Mm -hmm. celebration of diversity um, and being able to facilitate those connections. Um, And to do that, you do need things like public transit, um, different social services, education, Um, And a lot more. And those are all things that you kind of just naturally, if not, um, are forced to experience as being a resident of Toronto.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I was wondering, like, with all this attention coming at you, it's kind of coming gradually, but also all at once at the same Mm -hmm. time. Is this scary to get this much attention? Like now everybody, like I I was looking through comments, bro. I'm like, yo, this (laughs) is crazy
0: um yeah it's weird i think (laughs) it's weird to think that there are people that i don't know that are thinking about me like i've I've lived a relatively calm life like i'm not Mm -hmm. a public figure in any way um Mm -hmm. and then suddenly i was just pushed into this realm where i am a public figure people can comment on um what i do have out there um and it's it's obviously it's a bit frightening, but it's something that I, I have to come to terms with. And you're right, mm-hmm. there are a lot of comments. I just try my best not to um, let it consume me because I know whose opinion matters in my life and yeah. I can hear it from their mouth as opposed to a mm-hmm. comment. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been weird. Um, yeah, it's it's been weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I can tell. Well, at the same time, as much as there's those weird comments, there's also so much support from you from faculty staff and everything has that been like a surprise to you as well
0: um i don't know if it's a surprise because i would like to say i'm an optimistic person who believes that like positivity exists mm-hmm. um so like i'm welcoming it um but it's it's been very i guess heartwarming um in terms of the types of people that have reached out to me um and the connections that i've I've formed from that and again just going back I have had a lot of young people and people my age that are reaching out to me which is kind of just the most important factor for me because that is my goal like I want to be able to connect with people and to 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 appear as though you can connect with me um Mm -hmm. so that's been great um I've had uh, teachers connect to me um I'm gonna be speaking in a civics class sometime later this week um, which is awesome because I know when I was learning civics in grade ten, yeah. like it wasn't enjoyable at all. <laughs> oh, um, but... And yeah, it's it's just cool that I'm I'm able to um, connect with people in stages of their life that I have also gone through, um, and mm-hmm. would have liked to see someone like myself in.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting that you're talking into a civics class because I remember civics was just that <laughs> that class you go into, you will get that easy grade and you're added
0: there. Terrible. Like my civics class, I it was it was online because they just didn't want to fit it into our schedule. It was mm-hmm. half a year, and I can't remember anything from it. So. Literally,
1: literally. Yeah. <laughs> like until you told me about civics, I'm like, oh yeah, there was a class called civics. It was called civics and careers for yep, at least exactly. for my school. Yeah. yeah. So um even I was reading the article and then you're talking about the I think the narcissity article you're talking about how in your family you guys have like this running joke that you know you vote governments uh, out and not in like oh I don't even know if it was in narcissity I remember reading it somewhere
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah that's like a really old article yeah.
1: <laughs> So I was reading that I do my research <laughs> uh, so no, <laughs> I was I was, so I was reading that article but I also wondering like in terms of like your parents like how did it feel about you running? Like, what was their sentiment when you told them, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm going to run for, you know, to be a counselor. Because I remember when I got my earrings, my mom had a lot to say, like, you know, African <laughs> yeah. moms, you know, they always have something to say. So I could imagine, like, not even comparing it to you running, but it must have been like an interesting conversation.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, so my, my family is relatively politically involved in terms of like, we keep up with things and we vote um, and we talk about it at dinner. Um, so I don't know that it was like incredibly surprising cause I kind of, we, we, we like touched on it a couple of dinners prior to when I decided like, Hey, we should actually do this. Um, so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't surprising, but I think it was just a new experience for everyone. Um, in terms of like, okay, so like, what does this campaign look like? It's a pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. you are 19, you're still in school. Um, so it, it was a lot, it was, it was more of like a learning process as opposed to like a shock Um, Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's been taking it pretty well. Honestly, like, I think most of the disruption came from, like, my friends, um, because, again, like, we don't really see people like me running for city council or, like, politics at all. Um, So Mm -hmm. it was a lot of, like, what? Like, is this real? Like, why are you Mm -hmm. doing this? I, I remember, like, I was truly the most terrified to post about it on instagram for the first time mm, yeah <laughs> because i was like, "Oh no! like what are people <laughs> gonna think like what are the dms i'm going to get like
1: mm-hmm. like will
0: people be confused will people be disappointed um mm-hmm. so yeah honestly my family was probably like the most um it was probably the most supportive response i could have gotten and i felt very comfortable telling them it wasn't scary at all it was probably more scary for like my my friends and social circles like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah because i remember even when i saw it i just remember it was uh, some morning, like, I think a week ago or something like that. I was just scrolling on Twitter and I'm just, I just see the title of the Block your article. I'm like, no way. And I just <laughs> click it and I'm reading it. I'm like, let's go. Cause it's like, it's, it's like finally, you know, finally, like we're getting more of us are trying to get into politics, trying to affect change. And you talked a bit about how, um, like this pandemic really, Opened your eyes to like a lot of stuff that is happening around us, like all these systematic issues and like, what could we do to change what's happening? Cause I, even like with my boys too, this pandemic has been a moment where we're able to like kind of like take a pause and look at what we, we want to do in life. So we refine, we're refining our, our skills, whatever, what, whether it goes from sports, photography, every different thing like my boys were doing. They're like, yo, this is the time to really figure out what I want to do. Right. So. Yeah. For you personally, like, what this what did this pandemic show you?
0: I mean, it it was a lot. Like, I was i I finished my first year of university abruptly because of the pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. My life very much so changed dramatically within a week. um, From like going home to my entire family, which like we have not all been in the same household in over like two years because my brothers are either away at university or work, um, or Mm -hmm. myself at university, Um, and in that intense moment, you kind of realize like what you have, what you don't have and what you wish you had. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it was definitely like, I I don't like using it, but it was like, it was like a humbling experience in terms of like, yeah, like really everything was like stripped Mm -hmm. away from you. Um, Mm -hmm. And you also just hear stories of people who have lost even more than you. Right. Um, And it makes you realize definitely where your place in society is um, and like what you should um, or could be doing to make it a better place. Um, so there's that aspect, but then there's also just like seeing the world unravel, um, and seeing who is kind of in charge of trying to keep it together. Um, and mm-hmm. not to say that, um, no one has tried their best. There's definitely, we have definitely seen like incredible, um, impact and incredible interventions that have helped to mitigate the pandemic in some ways. Um, but it also makes you realize like, Hey, we are in a very tricky situation and you're seeing, Um, the way that governments are operating in ways that they have never before, right? So for example, you see a lot of um, input in terms of social services um, and outreach. And it's Mm -hmm. crazy because you're like, hey why didn't we, uh, why don't we do this before, yes. you know? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you can do it. So why did it take, why did it take a global pandemic to mm-hmm. get them operating? Seems a little mm-hmm. bit suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's things like that that were honestly most shocking to me in terms of like reflecting on the government and like the political leaders around me, um, just because, you know, these are things that you would have never thought were possible, but all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's happening.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and not, this is no conspiracy at all, but, you <laughs> nah, know, it's just that you think about. Yeah. Um, so obviously as well, because I'm trapped in my home, I have an insane amount of time to then go FaceTime my friends and talk about it and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, you guys noticing mm-hmm. this too? I'm just, I'm just curious. Right. And so curiosity obviously leads to like further investigation, and then eventually the way that I kind of op- operate with my friends, like, yeah, let's, let's find a solution to this. Like let's find an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, like with university, you kind of just create an academic community where like, yes, you'll talk about like funny things, but also occasionally you'll be like, yeah, let's try and like figure out world hunger. Um, so in that light, we have just become like a problem solving Community, um, especially when it comes to like uprising issues that the pandemic have kind of exposed, whether that Mm -hmm. is like racial justice, um, homelessness, poverty, uh, inequality within education. Those are just things that have come to the forefront because of the pandemic, but they've obviously existed before. And because Mm -hmm. we're put in this tight situation where it's like, yeah, people literally cannot access their education because they live too far away, um, and we are confined to our homes. Where people don't have electricity or connection, um, and it you, it just starts turning things in your head, um, and so it definitely just made me consider a lot of the things that I haven't really been exposed or focused on because you know I am distracted with my own school or like living mm-hmm. outside of my house or um, having other things in the news reel to, to to fill my head. Um, so I think just being exposed to those things and having a lot of time to think about it um, gave me. The confidence and like interest to actually see, like, okay, what if I could do something about it? Um, and in December, I did have an opportunity to do something about it. And yeah. so now I'm running. Um, <laughs> and obviously, i in my role as, say, uh, a candidate for city councilor. I will probably not inflect change on world hunger. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you know, let's start small. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
1: Or even the fact that you brought up like suddenly, like, we're. The government's doing all these things that we thought were impossible because mm-hmm. even like just like the youth have been talking about how oh well suddenly now we have money for this universal base and income thing that i thought was <laughs> oh, it was a socialist policy like oh suddenly now we're doing these like it seems to me like a lot of the time these progressive candidates like when they first bring out an idea it seems it's it's seen as radical, you know. AOC mm-hmm. has added, it. even Bernie Sanders has added. Yeah. Uh so he brings out this idea, let's you know, let's try to get universal health healthcare done and et cetera. And then a guy like Andrew Yang brings out UBI, let's try to do some universal basic income. Radical, socialist. And then <laughs> pandemic hits, and then all these programs that were seen as very radical. Now it's like damn, like how can we operate a society without these programs? Suddenly these guys that were seen as crazy before are now seen as like Oh man this guy's a genius, yeah like, he was really <laughs> smart yeah. but um but yeah, like even like the process of applying and running like what are even the rules like is there what's the minimum age like and what was it like signing the paperwork? what is that like
0: yeah, so um, for municipal elections, uh you have to be a minimum of eighteen years old, so someone mm-hmm. younger can meet for young younger than me can run. Um, I think the restrictions are just that you don't have like a criminal record um, that you're not currently working within public office. Um, And then the process after that is just that you get 25 nominations in the forms of signatures um, Mm. and then you hand that into a a specific office. That's a branch of like the the government um, and they just like run through it, check, do a little bit of a background check on you, get your ID um, and then you're set to go. And so from that, it's just up to you how you want to run your campaign. So it, it's not too hard. I mean, there's also a $100 fee, um, which is obviously a barrier to um, running. Um, but once you're able to overcome those three barriers, or at least you're able to to meet the, those criterias, um, the campaign is pretty much just up to you.
1: Mm-hmm. And how have you decided to run your campaign? Like how, how has it been? Like in terms of your staff, you talked about how you have a, a young staff, but even in terms of like, can you do door to door safely like how do you how do how has everything been happening during this pandemic with this campaign right
0: so um again, that's up to each candidate, and so there are some candidates that are doing door to door they're out in the community um like in different like hot spots where people they're able to interact with people um mm-hmm. I'm in a position where I don't necessarily want to put myself or other people at risk. um my mom's an elementary school teacher, she has to go <laughs> and teach children yeah. at the end of the day. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to be. Um, putting myself to put her in a position, to then put other people in a position. Um, And the pandemic has definitely just heightened like how um, your interactions with people can impact other people. Um, Mm -hmm. so in terms of door to door, I haven't necessarily been doing that. What I have been doing is kind of just dropping off, um, literature in mailboxes. Um, and if I do encounter someone, I obviously maintain distance. I have my mask on always gloves, hand sanitizer. Um, Mm -hmm. and I keep my canvassing groups relatively small, um, just so that it isn't like massive amounts of exposure. Um, so yeah, there's, those are like ways to mitigate it. I'm not necessarily like knocking on doors to talk to people because, it's a pandemic, um, mm-hmm. but it is it's up to, it's up to everyone. Um, all my meetings have been over Zoom, but that's nice because it's like a quick like, hey, if you guys are free, like, feel free to join. Yeah, um, yeah my team is mainly just friends from university who are like, yeah, let's do this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything. Um, um, so it's been pretty cool. But uh, along the way, I've also just met people who are interested and have just brought them onto the team, um, which is also cool because I get to meet new people um indirectly but also they get to you know deliver and share their talents with me which is awesome yeah um so yeah that's that's kind of how i've been operating my my campaign
1: yeah and how did you handle that because exams just ended like like a week ago at least for me like how did you handle that exams campaigning and just everything
0: yeah um so it's, it's kind of chaotic in terms of like, I can't really plan when things are happening. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, the first article that came out was from BlogTO. Um, yeah. And then from that, like everything started spiraling. Um, mm-hmm. And thank God that happened after my exam period. Uh, yes. um, so I had literally just finished exams. And then two days after the article came out and then I was on winter break um, and mm-hmm. I'm on break until the 11th. So I, I have been free to like commit all my time to the campaign. Um, but up until that point, I was kind of just like balancing like one day here, one day there. Um, and then the week that I had like most of my exams, I, I was just like, this is cool. I love being involved, but also I have to get a degree. So yeah,
1: exactly.
0: I'm just focusing on my exams. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you guys have like, do they, is there any level of like debates or anything? Like how does, how does it work for a uh, city council? Like to yeah, the so- candidates?
0: So sometimes there would be if it was like a regular um, election as opposed to a by-election. And because of the timing, because of the circumstances of the pandemic, there haven't necessarily been like in-person town halls or debates in the way that it would usually operate. Um, Mm -hmm. But what has happened is that there have been a couple of town halls um, where all candidates are invited and it's over Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so through that, it's like all of us are there. You can see our faces and they might have a select few questions, which they ask some of the candidates and it keeps rotating. Um, And those are like pre-submitted. But then sometimes there will be opportunities for people to like ask questions live. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's been one earlier in December. There's another one coming up this month, I believe. Um, And then also candidates are kind of just taking it upon themselves to host town halls. Um, which are obviously individual, but it's it's kind of just up to other organizations if they want to host and invite candidates to an event like that. So it's definitely been limited in terms of um, the opportunities that voters have to meet um, and like discuss with candidates um, mm-hmm. in comparison to previous elections. Um, but I think what's been cool about this, is that because we're all trapped inside and there isn't necessarily the conventional ways of campaigning or canvassing, um, yeah. it's been a lot of social media and media outreach, um, which are things I'm not, I'm not confused by, right? These are things mm-hmm. that I've just been involved with for most of my life. Um, so I, I think that's kind of working to my advantage.
1: Yeah. And I was wondering, like, just in terms so there's, in terms of like the Scarborough Agincourt community, and then your campaign itself, like just Talk to me a bit about the community. What are like the issues close to them or like, what are they, what is it like? Like, what's the composition of the, of that, of like War 22?
0: Right. So there's obviously, or not obviously, but like a lot of communities in Toronto, there's a mix in terms of income, education levels, um, careers. um, And so obviously that, that creates like a a diverse community with different needs with regards to um, economic needs or educational needs or social services. Um, mm-hmm. and so you can't necessarily band-aid the entire thing, um, with yeah. one flat policy. Um, mm-hmm. so what's been interesting about, um, a community in Toronto that is so diverse and also upcoming, um, is that there's a lot of opportunity for innovation. Um, so specifically with regards to public transit, um, there is obviously the concern that the, the current public transit in Toronto doesn't extend all the way to Scarborough agent court. Um, so like the, the the subway transit doesn't reach there, um, which is problematic because people can't move really to and from. Mm -hmm. Um, So specific to that, there are a lot of concerns of the residents in terms of like, will there be a subway? Will there be an LRT, for example? How will Mm -hmm. we supplement that with say buses or bus routes? Um, And so something that I'm looking at is kind of just the immediate future, which is in the form of bus, express buses um, and express bus lanes simply because subways take up to 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's also something that the provincial government has to get involved with. And that's not something that I can single handedly make happen. Um, so there's that aspect with regards to housing, Toronto is obviously experiencing a housing crisis. um, And so it's more of an issue of a lack of supply as well as affordability. Um, And specifically within Scarborough Asian Court, there is also concerns with regards to um, like rooming houses or shared housing. Um, and whether or not that should be legalized. I personally believe it should because it benefits a lot of students and newcomers. Um, and mm. as a student myself, like, yeah, I know it's incredibly hard to get housing and affordable housing in the city. Um, Wait, sorry so, to
1: interrupt. So is that, that's, so is that illegal?
0: So it's, it's not illegal, but it's frowned upon. And there are ways uh. to prevent it from mm. happening. Um, okay. and so by like licensing it, mm-hmm. um, it just kind of gets rid of all the barriers yeah. that exist to making it an easy process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's the state of that issue, um, with regards to the writing um, and there's also just the issue of, like, community spaces and green spaces, um, which I've talked to a lot of people about, and something that I think is personally important. Um, I mean, the pandemic has given us an opportunity to realize, like, hey, yeah, we need, like, open and green spaces because, you know, everyone was pushing us outside when we are able to see each other. Yeah. And, you know, Social distance in a park, and then we saw our parks overflow with people, and you couldn't oh, yeah. social distance. So it's like, maybe, maybe we need more green spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that, but also just, you know, if you want to build community, you need places for community to be facilitated. Um, Mm -hmm. and specifically within the ward there, I believe is a a deficit of community spaces. So that's Mm -hmm. something to grow and expand on. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of things that I, I think are specific to the ward that I hope to address.
1: Mm -hmm. And I was looking also at a, I don't know if this issue is specific to the ward, but there was this something happening in the. Is it called a Tender Care Living Center? Yeah. Like what's I, I was just reading a bit about it. It said that their death toll just reached sixty. I think like two days ago. Like they experienced an outbreak towards the end of December. Like what's yeah. happening down there? Do you know?
0: Yeah, so it, it's a it's a very unfortunate situation in which um a lot of the the older residents have been infected with the coronavirus and there have been a number of people who have passed away as a result of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so it is obviously an issue of uh, people coming in and people contracting the virus, um, as well as just a lack of resources to help people survive the virus. Um, and the concern with that is more that um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a living center where it requires more resources than it actually has. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a an issue of provincial and federal government supplying those resources, which they haven't. Um, so, for example, when you look at <clears throat> other living centers where they do get like supplemental resources as well as funds to help support older residents, this is a living center that doesn't. Um, and so in in some effect, it is neglected. Um, and it does show in the fact that people are dying from it and people are losing their loved ones. Um, so that's that's the situation with the, um, the that living center um, and. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very unfortunate to, to think about. Um, and it's, a, it's an unfortunate reality when, like, there are people that are neglected
1: um, mm-hmm. by
0: our governments and our leaders um, in a way that, like, we can't necessarily control it. Because, you know, if it is your loved one, like, you can't go and visit, like, you can't necessarily take them out of that situation. Um, so it, it's a very unique situation, in which just a lot of resources, um, funds, and also recognition is necessary
1: yeah because I did I did notice like during this pandemic a lot of the for-profit long-term care homes have have been like it's been rough it's been rough in there so yeah. hopefully like, we we get cha- a change in that uh usually to close off uh the episode we like to ask our guests favorite books favorite tv shows what are you currently into what would you suggest to the listeners tell us a mm. bit about what you're into right now
0: um My favorite books, well, uh, currently my favorite author is, uh, his name is Douglas Copeland. Copeland. Um, he's a Canadian author, um, that does a lot of novels from various perspectives. Um, and so my favorite is probably Hey Nostradamus. I'm currently reading one that's called Gum Thief. Um, and it's just cool because you get to live through a bunch of people's lives about an issue that, um, is quite sublime <laughs> in nature. Um, in terms of like favorite shows or movies, uh, I'm watching an Adult Swim cartoon called The Shivering Truth. It's very strange, um, but if you're into seeing really interesting things, I would recommend it. <laughs> is that
1: on? Is that on Netflix or?
0: no you have to like you have to find some like back end, uh, oh, <laughs> like, all right like,
1: some low-key stuff
0: yeah 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 um so if you stumble upon it i recommend it um but yeah those are those are some of the things i'm interested in yeah
1: all right a good in- interesting list. I, I, nobody has ever given me a list like that so <laughs> everybody try to find try to find that show let me know how it is uh Renee, thank you for coming on the show. It's been nice having you.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
1: No problem. This was Beyond Culture. Goodbye and good night.